Bonjour, bonjour, and welcome to another episode of EveryoneHatesMarketers.com, the no-fluff, actionable marketing podcast for people sick of marketing bullshit. I'm your host, Louis Grenier. After four years, 175 episodes recorded, 9,625 minutes of no-bullshit content published, and 1 million plus downloads reached, I felt it was time to shake things up a bit. You see... I want to help you radically stand out because I firmly believe it's the only way for you to succeed without marketing bullshit. So moving forward, each episode is going to be around 20 minutes long. Each episode is going to be super practical where I'm going to teach you one way to radically stand out that you can apply to your business today. I'm going to use snippets of past interviews, the lessons I've learned from my own experience and plenty of concrete examples. Oh, and one last thing. I'm also turning each of those episodes into the only newsletter focusing on differentiation and positioning so you can read at your own pace and remember the concept I'm teaching. If it's of interest, I hope you'll sign up today on everyonehatesmarketers.com. I'll also notify you when I launch new stuff and products and you can win rewards for referring other mavericks to the newsletter, like branded cups and t-shirts and posters and private group coaching and plenty of other nice little surprises. All right, on to the podcast. For this episode, I want to take you back to around 2006 in Clermont-Ferrand, France which is where I'm from. Uh, it's in the middle of France, quite literally. And I was in high school then. And my high school history slash geography teacher, I'm not too sure which one he was actually teaching us, was this big, beefy guy that clearly went to the gym, right? So picture that. And I was this very skinny kid who hadn't grown up just yet. I was quite small compared to my friends. I didn't have a beard or anything like that. So I was this nerdy kid obsessed with contradicting people and finding holes in everyone's thinking. Teachers, friends, family, everyone. And I was doing this because I craved the attention. I think it started with my mom from a very young age to get her attention and became part of my kind of everyday life. It's just a mechanism that I had from a very young age where, yeah, I was constantly picking on what people were thinking, finding flaws, trying to find an alternative way of thinking about it, trying to find a better way to think about it and all of that. So I don't have a great memory of my teenage years, but I do remember the following moment quite well. We were learning something around European history and I made yet another remark out loud in class. And I wish I could remember a bit more detail about it, but that's how far my memory goes. And yeah, I heard a few chuckles from my classmates, but uh, what I really wanted was also to get attention of the teacher. So he stared at me for a few seconds and he yelled at me, saying something like, Louis, why can't you stay quiet? I can't run any of my classes without you interrupting us every five minutes. And then he said, you are an intellectual terrorist. I mean, that kind of got my attention. Remember, it was 2006, five years after 9-11. And even if I was living in France, it was still very much top of everyone's mind. And I think I realized there and then that I crossed a pretty big fucking line. Wasn't as funny as I thought it would be. My peers, my friends didn't like it as much as I thought they would. And I think this story summarizes pretty well my quest to get attention, contradicting things, finding flaws, looking at the status quo and trying to challenge it. 
So I'm not that kid anymore that I was in high school, obviously, but I, I kept this sort of a intellectual terrorist mindset in my mind. And it's always been a mechanism of mine, always been a way for me to think about stuff and find new ideas. When I started to work in marketing and started to be obsessed with the topic, there's been a question I've been asking myself and I've been asking others that really helped me to unlock new ideas, to challenge the status quo, challenge category conventions, being able to zag when others were zigging. And I think the best example of that that you would understand since you're listening right now is Everyone Hates Marketers at the podcast where I challenge a lot of the category conventions of traditional marketing podcasts where you have a long intro about the guest and then the guest will go on for like 15 minutes talking about themselves where you don't learn anything. And then the host will ask scripted question that the guest would have prepared where you don't learn much and they move on to another subject, to another subject, to another subject. And the clear convention I wanted to challenge when I started was... Can we learn something by listening to this episode? Can we just go super deep and not take any of these their answers for granted and challenge them? Because my goal and the convention that I really wanted to challenge was I don't want to make the guest look good as much as I want the listener to learn. And that was the key. And the way I found this particular way of running the podcast and I'll share with you a few more examples uh, in the next few minutes is, was by asking the question, what's the one thing you hate the most about this industry or this category? And that's the question you can ask customers, yourself, peers. And frankly, that's the number one question I always ask myself whenever I do something new. What's the one thing I hate the most about this and how can I challenge it to make people's life better, uh, listeners' life better, customers' life better? By category, I mean the box you're being put into, the way you would define it. Uh, meaning like Salesforce is a CRM software. Everyone has marketers is a marketing podcast. It's basically the box that people put you in so that they really understand the context. They really understand, okay, you are a CRM, so you do X, Y, and Z. It helps people to understand what you do very quickly. It makes it easy for their brain to understand what you're doing. So this is what I mean by what do they hate the most about the category. So this question has a ramification. You can ask it in a few ways. Um, and Ali Lefever, who's a agency owner specializing in humor, has a few sub-questions you can ask that are basically around the same concept. What are they sick of hearing about? What is tired, cliche? What has been overdone? What is, what is the way that everyone else is approaching this that they are no longer resonating with? So it's really about the biggest frustrations in the category, the biggest problem in the category that your brand can help resolve, the barriers that prevent consumers from purchasing or using a category, the general accepted rules for how a category operates, etc., etc. So it turns out I have um, asked this specific question in my newsletter. Uh, whenever you sign up, you'll get asked this question straight away, which is like, what's your biggest marketing pet peeve in, in the marketing industry in general? And so th those are some of the answers I got. Buzzwords that change every day, how far removed from reality marketers are, the feeling that everyone knows everything and they don't, the constant urge, the FOMO, the imaginary need for speed, selfishness, marketers are pushy and talk instead of listening, empty promises, lying or overstating what your products or service can do, the junk, the number of junk results you get when you search for something, pseudo-intellectual language, junk copy that obscures rather than explain. Conflicting advice, my head is often blagged with trying to figure out what bloody works. The lack of true craft in storytelling, when it comes to creating funny marketing campaigns, most of it is just lame and corny. 
the noise. I hate that we all need to make such a ruckus to get attention to make a few bucks to buy a few runs at the pub. Vanity metrics. You could have 3 million followers, totally useless if they don't actually convert to a transaction or help convert a lead. You can see that by asking people this question, you can unlock a lot of ideas and a lot of interesting angles for campaigns, for projects, for entire products or companies. But the key is to take it and go all the way with it. This approach can, um, is, is something that's been mentioned by Adam Morgan, who's the founder of Eat Big Fish and the author of Eating the Big Fish. And he coined the term challenger brand. And I don't want to like overuse buzzwords because I know that's something that pisses you off. But think about it as the same concept, which is challenging conventions in a way to make the experience better for consumers and, and, and fight the good fight. Here's a quick excerpt of a YouTube video where Adam Morgan defines what it truly means to be a challenger brand. You may certainly have to challenge something about yourself. You may certainly have to challenge practices and behaviors and ways of thinking and self-limiting beliefs you have. You may need to do all of that culturally, but you're certainly going to need to challenge something in the world around you. You're going to need to upset the status quo in order to succeed. Now, it's very rare these days that being a challenger is about challenging someone. It's not really about challenging another brand very often these days. It's much more about challenging something something that you see in the category as a driver that doesn't belong there anymore, something about the user experience you'd like to put right, possibly something about the way that society works or the way the society talks that you think is just wrong or unnecessary or belongs to a past time. Another way to see it uh, is from Yuli Applebaum, who's a brand positioning expert who was on the podcast. He actually analyzed more than 1,600 brand case studies and he saw that disrupting challenging category convention was one of the key ways that successful brands managed to be noticed. Simply uh, disrupt all the category conventions. So what you do is you literally look at your category, look at the packaging convention, the messaging conventions, the distribution conventions, the consumer segment conventions, you list them all, and then you literally go and say, how can I tap into a different category? How can I do things differently to stand out and, uh, and differentiate myself? Um, sometimes you can resolve a category paradox. And what I mean with that is many categories like electric vehicles, you know, um, looks like shit, you know, so there's this basic paradox of, yeah, you can be, you know, environmentally conscious, but you'll have to drive a shitty car and, you know, not get laid in the process or not impress your neighbor. Um, comes Tesla, resolves the car paradox. All of a sudden, the electric car can compete with, you know, the biggest uh, sports cars out there in terms of performance and speed and looks sexy as hell. Um, so there's a car paradox that can be resolved. Are there specific barriers? You People may be not using your category for very simple, obvious reasons. But if you don't ask the questions, you're not going to find it out. So you might ask yourself, it's all well and good. How do you do that? Like, How do you challenge conventions? How do you do things that people will notice? How do you become that person or that brand that seems to be always doing something uh, where others say, oh, I wish I had thought of that as well? So step one is to make sure you pick the right category. Again, if you're a CRM software, pick that software as the category or the industry in a bit of a larger sense. But if you're beginning, I would say pick the category you're in, making sure that you choose the right box. If you're not sure, do ask your customers, how do they call you? How would they describe you to a friend? Step two is to ask yourself, your team, the founding team, the leadership team, what do they hate the most about the category? 
Now, it's a bit tricky because you might be what uh, Young Moon, the author different, uh, calls a category connoisseur, which is you're so into this category that you might take a lot of it for granted and it might be difficult to step away from it. So that's something I do personally a lot. I ask myself this question a lot and it's something that you can practice, but it, it is difficult sometimes to get all the ideas. So this is why step three, ask your customers or your super customers or your fans about it, like I shared earlier on. Send a survey and ask that question. Like add this question to your existing survey. Run interviews and ask the questions that are traditionally asked, such as how did you find out about us, but also ask this question. What is the biggest pet peeve in this category? What do you hate the most about the category? You can play with a few variations to see what they say. Use it in a welcome email like I've done or just in random conversation. If you can find any way for, for you to ask this question as often as you can, you will start seeing patterns appearing quite fast. Another way to uncover it is to just be a detective and look into where people are hanging out, your people. In forums and Facebook groups and whatever else, Slack. what are the cliches? What are the pet peeves? What are the things that people really hate about this category that you potentially could challenge? Once you have that, step five is to use those answers, making sense of them, looking at patterns, right? Identifying the biggest one and listing them down. You can list down what is expected of the category. Typically, um, you can list down the cliches, the things that the category does that people hate. And you should start looking at the ones that you could potentially challenge. Now, the key, and that's step six, is to really pick one of those things and just go all in, right? One thing that you could really challenge to make life easier, to remove cliche, to improve something for a specific thing, to resolve a category paradox. If you pick too many at once, unless they're really part of the same group, you might actually lose yourself a bit. But this is the key. And this is how those artists and those brands that you really admire are going about it. This is the question they're asking themselves. And once they understand, once they see an opportunity, once they see an angle that could be used, they go all in, they go all the way. It's not enough to just do it a bit and mention it a bit somewhere. If you pick one, if you really want to become a challenger brand, or if you want to challenge category convention and be noticed, whether it's a marketing campaign, whether it's a product, the entire experience, the entire company, you're going to have to go all in in one aspect at the very least. So let me give you a few examples so that you understand uh, what I'm talking about. Coffee gives you energy, uh, but then you get a big crash, right? You get this initial burst of energy and then you get a big crash uh, from it. And the company called Four Sigmatic offers crash-free mushroom-based coffee, right? Which is super interesting. So they resolve this category paradox by giving you energy, but instead of using coffee beans as their ingredient, they are using mushroom, which prevents you from having the side effect of the crash, right? So they're going all the way in, in their message, in their product, to resolve that paradox, to challenge that convention. If you're thinking of water in plastic bottle as a category, water is typically sold in single-use plastic bottles. They pollute, they kill wildlife. And Liquid Death, which is a company that sells water in a recyclable metal can, says that it murders your thirst with those cans, right? So they challenge the convention of you don't have to sell uh, water in plastic bottle and you can actually stop polluting and killing wildlife by using a packaging that is 100% recyclable. For climate change in general and businesses in general, if you think about the industry in general, like the capitalism in general, climate change is the single biggest threat humanity is facing and businesses don't seem to care. And yet 
Patagonia is challenging that by saying that you can make money and play the game of capitalism and yet be responsible and fight the good fight, right? So they, they do a lot of stunt around that, but bigger, bigger than that, their entire philosophy and positioning is all around this. They sell clothes, but it's clearly also to make the world better. If you're thinking of the category of brand agency, they tend to be too afraid to offend their clients or even the client's customers, right? So they tend to produce work that doesn't get noticed. And Offended, which is a brand agency, believes that if you take a stand, say something different, back an underdog and go balls to the wall with your marketing, there's always a chance you'll offend someone. And not only is that okay, it's why you'll win. So they challenge the convention that no, don't offend anyone. That's not how you win. They challenge it by saying, no, you need to offend. And it's not necessarily what you need to, to go after, but it's a good sign. It's a byproduct of a good, uh, successful campaign. Uh, so another category convention. To go completely uh, outside business in football, uh, or if you're not in Europe, soccer, teams are either playing possession or counter-attack, right? So the teams either play to get the ball as often as they can because that's how they score goals or that's how they believe it or they do a counter-attack style they make sure to give away possession they don't really care about having the ball but once they have it they do very fast counter-attacking play where they try to score as fast as possible but Marcelo Bielsa, who's an Argentinian coach, who's one of the leading coaches in the world, not in terms of trophies, but in terms of influence on other, on other coaches, uh, for example, in, on Pep Guardiola, who's the coach of Manchester City, believes in both. So he's resolving the paradox of saying it's either possession and counter-attack by saying we need both. It's very interesting, like they want to get possession, but they also play very well in counter-attack. And that style requires their players to be extremely fit and to really go all in. He's so passionate about it that others follow. And he's so passionate about it that he also gets results because what he cares about is scoring more goals than the other. He's not afraid of having goals uh, scored uh, against his team. Uh, what he wants is scoring more. At the height of COVID as well, when I was working at Hajar, we were thinking of doing a virtual event. And I used the same question to think about a way to do a virtual event that really would challenge category convention and be noticed. The one thing that kept coming up and up and up was the fact that virtual events are usually sales speeches that are disguised as virtual events, right? You take an hour out of your schedule and people speak at you for an hour. You don't learn anything new and you find yourself in the middle of basically a pitch. And at the end of the day, what you're getting is really five to 10 minutes of actual actionable ideas and juicy insight. So we took this very thing and said, how do we take that insight and just go all the way in? We came up with this concept of five minutes per talk. So we went all the way and challenged the speaker to only speak for five minutes. And then we played on number five, five minutes, five talks a day for five days, right? Five, five, five. This event alone brought uh, more than 16,000 registration at the height of COVID when, when companies were all kind of pushing on virtual events. It led to like a really uh, big wave of, of, of people hearing about Hoja and sharing it. So as a summary, Channel your intellectual mindset if you want to find ideas that people notice. Uh, if you want to go against the grain, if you want to do something that others will say, ha, I wish I had thought of that as well. This particular way of asking uh, this question, like what do you hate the most about this category? What can you challenge? Is not something that is really covered in the user research, interview, market research type methodologies. And I, I really wish it were. So ask this question to yourself, obsess over this question, I would say anything that you see, look at it through, those, through this lens. 
and pick the right category, making sure that, that you are using the conventions of the right category, and then go all in in one direction. Remember the, the examples that I gave above. It's really about resolving it in a very, very strong way and going all in without compromise. And that's one of the rules of radical differentiation in general. I found that to be one of the easiest way to get a ton of idea. And it doesn't have to be a product or service. It could be anything that you are doing. Look at what is being done and try to find a way to challenge it. That's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. I'm pouring my heart and soul into this. Uh, it will mean a lot to me if you check out the newsletter that goes with this podcast at everyonehatesmarketers.com. I send this newsletter every Tuesday. It's packed with very practical, step-by-step, actionable ways for you to radically stand out. And when you sign up, you also get access to a free eight-lesson course on the same topic. All right, see you on the other side. And that's it for another episode of EveryoneHatesMarketers.com. Thank you so much for listening. I'm super, super grateful. I'd love for you to consider subscribing to my daily newsletter, Monday to Friday, called Stand the Fuck Out Daily. I send very short, hopefully interesting, surprising, shocking, entertaining content to help you stand the fuck out. It's at EveryoneHatesMarketers.com. You can subscribe for free and obviously unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm just going to read a couple of emails that I got recently as a reply. Juma said your content attacks the mind primarily which is such a good thing because most of us are skilled at what we do but we don't have the courage to do it our way Mark who just subscribed a couple uh, days before said this is my first issue of your newsletter love it glad I subscribed Brianna said I just realized this morning that my email habit is now to one skim through the list two select all unread industry email except yours three delete and don't think twice four quickly skim yours. Amy said, also loving the new content that's coming from you. It feels really lovely. Candle said, I like your writing a lot. It really resonates. There's so much bullshit out there. It's good to touch the authentic. And Chloe said, where is the I fucking love this email button? Brilliant. I hope you subscribe. You'll be joining more than 14,000 subscribers at this stage, which is crazy. It's the size of a small stadium. Anyway, thank you so much. See you on the other side.